You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. Uh, as you can see, our message series that we are now going into is called Transforming Discipleship. Uh, and we thought, I thought this was fitting considering the way that Jesus approached things uh, after Resurrection Sunday, which we celebrated last week. It was really his opportunity over the next 40, 50 days uh, as he's meeting, as he's greeting, as he's revealing himself and having conversations with people. And they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to arrive. That there's this... Uh, time, this shift in the church history where it goes from Jesus leading them to who the Holy Spirit is going to be leading them. It goes from Jesus being the disciple maker to passing that baton to his disciples so that they are now fully tasked with disciple making process. And so following the resurrection, there was this encouragement, there was this challenge from Jesus that they go out and make disciples and tell the truth, share the gospel message, and now the truth that the Messiah not only was there, but is resurrected from the dead, and they have this entirely new truth that is going to be transformational. The resurrection's transformed all of their lives, and it continues to transform our lives to today. And discipleship is one of those things that we are tasked with as a church, but I don't know that everybody feels exceptionally qualified to make disciples. We feel like some people have that gift and other people don't. I think probably by the time we've reached this point in the lives that we are, we we either feel like we're disciple makers or we've left that up to somebody else. And really what I want us to do through this series is highlight on some different levels of disciple making because I really feel like God has given everybody the ability to make disciples. That's something that we have been challenged with. That is our mission. That is our goal. And really as the vision of our church of growing together, one of the three aspects that we are focusing on as a church is cultivating roots. And one of the ways we cultivate cultivate roots is through the way that we have people disciple. And so my challenge, my encouragement to you through this series is to give you some tools, give you some help, give you some insight into how to make disciples. And for some of you, that may seem like a mission that might be impossible. I can never be that disciple maker. And I kind of wanted to start with that idea of the mission, uh, this is your mission whether you should choose to accept it or not. And I'm encouraging you to accept it. And Mission Impossible was, was a show, I think it started what? Was it an 80s or a 70s show? 70s show. Okay, 60s? All right, so the first ones, are, I wasn't around at that time, so I have an excuse for not knowing. Uh, this, but I was introduced to it uh, when the Tom Cruise movies were reintroduced. And I remember the first one, seeing the first mission that he's assigned with, and they always do it in that cool, fun way where he's listening. I think he's on a plane in that one. He's listening to the, the message, and uh, then in this many seconds, this will self-destruct, and it goes up in smoke, and he lights a cigarette. Today, they couldn't do that because you'd get arrested right on the plane if you start to light up. Uh, It would have been a completely different mission that's impossible, uh, smoking on the plane. Uh, But 
His mission was a little bit different, and really, uh, Jesus, in some ways, tasks his disciple with this mission that seems impossible, uh, the great commission of going into all the world, baptizing people, teaching them to obey uh, what I have commanded you, right? And so they are tasked with this mission as Jesus goes up in smoke uh, and leaves them with this mission should they choose to accept it. And there's different levels of that mission. And kind of what I want us to look at today is kind of reflecting back. And this is uh, inspired by a book by Jeff Ogden of Transforming Discipleship, where he has kind of broken it down into five phases that Jesus' ministry took on uh, of looking at these different places and times, the way that Jesus really did ministry, really developed disciples and took them step by step, give them increasingly more challenging and difficult tasks to go and make disciples. And so I want us to use that practice and help us to walk each week a little bit further and hopefully at the end of today you guys will all be able to accept the mission of level one discipling it's something that everybody can do but to kind of look through these different phases we're not going to look at, I know you can't read that chart very well uh, if at all but it has the five different levels in uh, let me read level one for you today Jesus's role in that process was that he was an inviter he had this idea, this message of come and see. That was the whole premise. That was the task. Just come, come and see. He was looking for seekers, people who were interested and in at least seeing what his ministry about, who he was. Is he really this person that people are claiming to be? Because at this point, after his baptism, the message is out there that he is the, the, the hopeful Messiah. And people wanted to test and see if that was true. And so he had these people seeking. They were hungry to know whether or not he was this long-awaited Messiah. And so there's this buzz, there's this energy that there is this guy. He's finally made it. And we can be a part of this. How lucky are we? People have been waiting hundreds of years for the Messiah to show up and and we're lucky enough to be able to see him potentially. And so the things are, you know, there's a lot of curiosity surrounding him. And the key question that they had to ask is, is Jesus the Messiah? Is he the one that God was going to send to establish God's kingdom? To uh, allow us to connect with God, to enter into this, uh, you know, God establishing his kingdom on earth, uh, overthrowing evil, Satan, all this stuff, right? There's a lot of promise that came with that. And so Jesus in his ministry actually takes three and a half years, right, focusing on the grace, truth, and timing to make these disciples the people that he calls in this process. And so what we kind of learned through that is discipleship making isn't really this fast process. It's not something you can do in a day or two or a week or two or even a month or two. Discipleship is really about this long-lasting investment in people, and sometimes it's smaller numbers. And, you know, life groups is a type of discipleship on a larger number, but there's also, Greg talks about doing uh, discipleship in even smaller groups, micro groups, as he calls them, of, of three or four people, and we'll talk more about that as we go along. But that's something that you could maybe be praying about, even at level one, is who would you want to be in this discipleship-making process? somebody that you're going to willingly invest in time 
energy and study God's truth, his grace, and who needs that time and attention for you guys to kind of journey together. Because Jesus followed a mission plan with his disciples that was the multiplying movement that led into a rapid expansion of the early church. And that is what disciple making was all about. He chose these ordinary people, all these people from different walks of life. They did mundane, normal jobs. None of them were the uh, Pharisees. None of them were the Sadducees. None of them were the religious leaders. They're people he calls off the street. He chooses these people that are just part of the normal makeup and, of life. And he chooses them to come learn about this. And it takes time to, to kind of help them have their questions answers, to set those examples for them to train them and ask questions and have conversations and dig into what God is and what he was all about and what Jesus' life and ministry and mission was all about. And those conversations take time. Uh, that development takes time. And so part of those five phases... It, it takes time, and that is really what disciple-making is, is this intentional, long-term investment of helping people to see God's grace and understand his truth over time. And so level one, though, of disciple-making is that initial step, the first one, the first level Jesus used, the come-and-see method to reach these seekers who are hungry to find out who he is and are asking that question again, is he really this long-awaited Messiah? Jesus understood that being his disciple was this profound commitment. He was asking people to leave everything behind, their livelihoods, their family, to come and journey with him, to study with him, to learn with him, so that they could change the world. And leaving their families is something that they all ended up choosing to do. The amazing part is that they were given that mission and they chose to accept it, and we are still given that mission and that opportunity to accept it today. Most of us are ordinary people. Uh, most of us haven't been trained in any special uh, biblical level. Most of us are just the normal people, the f everyday fabric of our lives, and that's exactly who God calls to do discipleship. You are ingrained in the fabric of our culture, of our communities. You have relationships that are waiting to be uh, rooted into God's truth. And so all of us are the type of people that God chose to be disciple makers of a global movement. And again, part of our vision as a church is to be growing together and cultivating our roots together. And disciple making is the mission that we have to accept. And discipleship is a little bit different than evangelism. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to put on a name badge, go knock on doors, hand out some tracks, and uh, maybe sit in front of Walmart with a bullhorn, right? That's not what we're asking you to do. Uh, that's kind of more evangelism of one-on-one, -on -one asking people to make a decision right then and there. A discipleship is a longer-term uh, investment. We're not going to have that evangelism-type approach. We're going to use normal people that and hopefully be turned into the agents of transforming disciples. So we're going to look again, level one, and one of the places that we see this happening is in the book of John, the first chapter. We get this insight into this approach that Jesus uses, and then the disciples pick up on it fairly quickly and end up doing it themselves, right? So we're going to look at the text from John 1, verses 35 through 46, and this is from the New Living Translation. It says this, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. 
Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Kephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, explained Nathanael, can, somebody, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see yourself, Philip replied. So level one discipleship, so easy a fisherman can do it, right? And I know we have a lot of fishermen in here. If you can figure out how to catch fish, then God has equipped you wonderfully with the resources and the knowledge to be able to, to translate that information and knowledge to catch men too. A lot of the same strategies uh, kind of translate into both of those things. But it's simply learning to say these three words, come and see. Can everybody say that? All right, so you're already already at that level one. Uh, congratulations. So that's all we have to do. We've all experienced Jesus in some way. You're sitting here in this room because you've been impacted, and you're probably sitting in this room because someone at some point in time used those words with you. Come and see. Or, or as I was a kid, come and sit, right? Uh, you didn't have a choice. All right, so uh, that was kind of my growing up, but it still was that, that approach of come and see what God has done. And I think that is all part of our mission, that we can see what God is doing in these places. And if we look at these two lives, the interesting thing about both of these people, Andrew at this level one discipleship, we only really see three, well, we see three times that Andrew does this in the book of John. And each time he brings someone to Jesus, first his brother Simon, then uh, whenever Jesus does the miracle with the five loaves and fish, uh, he Andrew's the one who brings him. And then another time here he brings some Greeks uh, to Jesus. So these are the only times that Andrew is really mentioned by himself. He is our, uh, you know, he's that level one guy who brings people to meet Jesus. And he is the one that really kind of disappears from then on. These are the things that we know about him. His mission and purpose be a level one discipler. Come and see Jesus. See this person. See what he can do. He's about bringing and connecting people. Uh, and, you know, he sometimes gets overshadowed by his more flamboyant brother, Peter, who gets all the credit for everything, right? Uh, so Peter's that typical other brother who's all, older brother who's always getting credit for everything. Andrew's kind of more in the shadows. Uh, so he's probably more relatable to, to, to more of us. But he has this effective part of bringing people Philip, the other one, he tells Nathaniel that they found the one who is the fulfillment of the prophecies. And so Philip has that same role. He uses that same phrase, come and see. And so that's really as simple as it gets. 
And we all have somebody that we could talk to, somebody that we could share with, that message of just come and see, come and check it out. Uh, you know, uh, Matt invited a friend last Sunday to, to church for Easter service. Come and see, come and check it out, right? It worked, uh, he's here again with us today, so that's wonderful. Level one discipleship, come and see what is happening and in a world where it's so hard to talk about faith, Andrew and Philip take that simple approach to just invite, come and see, experience it, see the meaningful life-changing things that can happen, uh, and both of them point to this Messiah, this other person who can change their life. No ownership or responsibility on themselves. Uh, uh, it is all up to God. And here it is, simply, our job is to invite people to come and see, and the rest is up to God. We have the easy part, he has the hard part. And everyone in here can do that. You've all said that phrase, come and see. And discipleship begins with just a genuine interest in someone's spiritual welfare. That's all it takes is you to actually care, actually want to love them, actually want to invest in them. And who doesn't appreciate it being paid attention to? To show interest in and to take the time to invite them to come and be part of your life. You know, someone's spiritual welfare is at stake, and it's that simple challenge. Come see. I want to walk with you. I want you to join with me in this journey, and we can go and experience and find out more about Jesus together. It's this co-journey with them. You know, Philip, Nathaniel, Andrew, Peter, they were all on that same journey. They all experienced these different phases and different levels that Jesus walks them through. So discipleship isn't about always being in the lead of somebody else. It's about journeying with someone else. We are going to go look at who Jesus is together. And so there's not pressure on us. The pressure's all on God to teach us the things that he wants us to teach, experience the things that he wants us to experience, and then to go and do the things that he asks us to do. And being willing to take those next steps as he challenges us to, as he gives us the um, ability to. And, you know, really, it is what God calls us to do. The bottom line is that because of direct encounters with Jesus, people are able to move from skepticism and doubt to an affirmation of faith. We see that in scriptures and we see it today. I'm sure there's some people in here who have been skeptical of Jesus at some point in their life. They came and saw what Jesus was really about and their lives were transformed and changed. Philip's example reminds us that the willingness of others to embrace the gospel doesn't finally rest on our powers of persuasion. The ability to see Jesus comes as a gift from God through the graceful and mysterious movements of the Holy Spirit. Ours is to take others by the hand, invite them to get a glimpse of what we've experienced. And again, our culture is often indifferent and skeptical, if not hostile to the church and to talk of faith. In our secular, post-Christian, pluralistic world, all truth is often seen as relative and a matter of opinion. But Jesus and his truth shines bright in a dark world. And as people come to experience and see what loving each other is all about, what true love is about, what true truth is about, what grace can cover, forgiveness, and how the things that God offers us is in so contrast to what the world offers us and the change that it can take in our lives, but also in the lives of others. Henry French wrote this about evangelism. He said, true evangelism is simply sharing in one way or another 
what's real for you. Evangelism is speaking and living the good news of God's love, God's justice, God's forgiveness, God's compassion, and God's salvation. Usually living the good news will come before speaking the good news. And so that's how we can be more successful in getting positive responses to our invitation by our example. And that's really the challenge for us. And, you know, the way that we live our lives is going to influence and impact the way that people respond to our invitation. If you go around with a chip on your shoulder, grumpy, talking about, about people, and you are just, uh, uh, you know, someone who is not pleasant to be around, and then you invite somebody to come to church with you, and like, look at the difference you just made in my life, right? That's probably not going to get the best response. So there is some onus in the way that we approach life, the way that we interact with people, and if we can live out the Holy Spirit, the, uh, the truth and the way that God has instructed us to, to love ourselves, love others, and love God, that is a lot more attractive. We actually have to look different than the world for them to want to be a part of what we're saying is different from the world. And so that is comes on you a little bit, is to make sure that the things that you're talking about, the things that you're saying, uh, will make a, a difference. And so that is kind of part of that is that we will be more successful to our invitation by our example. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's really that mission of our example summarized. And we should live in such a way that others can see by our actions that we are seriously sincere to following Jesus and that he has truly transformed our lives and we have something better than what the world has. So I agree, there's a time to build our testimony. Most of us had that in college, right? We have some good stories from then and before, but there's also a time in our lives where we need to live the way that other people might want to. And so that is that first part of it. The second part, to be more successful in getting positive responses by our conversations. The things that we say, the words that come out of our mouth, our speech, uh, uh, our truth, if we're encouraging to other people, if we're helpful to them, if we try to find wisdom from God's word and share it and speak it into life because we all go through hard times, we all go through dark times, we all know people who are struggling or who need something that the world, they've been searching for places for answers for truth and we know that God's truth is always better than what we'll find in the world. And so by our example and by our conversations, based on that, if we are able to, to build relationships with people where they see that we're different, and then we can invite them to come and see why we're different. It's because not of anything that I have come up with, but because of what God has given to us. And so that is kind of the two ways that we can improve our chances of getting people to come and see. And so our... Um, task our question for the day and really our thought here was when was the last time that you said to someone come and see when was the last time that you invited somebody to come and see who Jesus is uh, if it was recently great you're already on that first level if it's been a while since you asked somebody to come and see then get on that level you could do that this week invite someone to come and see 
And maybe that's just in a different way, in a different form. And it's not always at church. Sometimes it's you sitting down with somebody for coffee. Sometimes it's for lunch. Sometimes it's inviting them to dinner. Sometimes it's inviting them to a life group. Sometimes, you know, it can look in a lot of different ways. Jesus oftentimes went out to people. You know, Philip has to go to Peter to get him to come to see. Uh, I mean, Philip had to go to Nathaniel to get him to come and see. Oftentimes it, it looks different and God will kind of put that on your heart. There's many different ways to say those words, to offer your listeners some, um, some ways to, to respond to that. Again, it's as simple as saying to someone how it's helped you or benefited you or the, the impact that Jesus has made in your life. And again, there's people in there that are going through divorces. There's people who've lost family members that they love. There's people who are lonely or dealing with anxiety or the stresses of life. Maybe there's a kid who just isn't enjoying life and just needs someone to pour into them. There are more than enough people to go out and invite who need to connect and see what Jesus has to offer. And it's really not about forcing. It's not about overburdening. It's not about uh, you know, being annoying about it. There is a balance and a nuance into how you invite and encourage and kind of push people. And so be sensitive to when they are going to respond and how the Holy Spirit might have them respond. But it's sharing them with Jesus, sharing with them your faith, your church to anyone. It's about being willing to say to someone in a small way, this is what gives me life and hope and keeps me going. This is what God's love to me means. This is what my faith has meant to me. It's really sharing our life experiences, the impact that God has made in us. And we all have those stories to share. It's important that we try to reach people, though, with the gospel. And the most effective way is to invite them to come and see. So that's your challenge this week. That's that level one opportunity for you to ask those words to someone. And we can all learn to say them. You can say them. I can say them. And maybe send yourself a message this week to remind yourself, ask someone to come and see. Maybe you invite somebody else every week and just kind of throw some more seeds out there and see how God is going to work in that. But that is your mission, should you choose to accept it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that you give to us to go and talk to people. I know that there are people in our lives that uh, weigh heavy on our heart. And Lord, as we walk around and we see people that maybe are struggling, we see and hear stories of people who are hurting. Lord, I pray that you give us the, the insight, the wisdom that you give us the guidance that your Holy Spirit takes over and that we just say those words, come and see, and that you take over from there. Lord, we put those relationships in your hand. We trust you with them. Lord, help us to be able to uh, take this mission and, and accept it, that we'd be willing to, to step in this level, this phase of helping seekers to come, come and find you. Lord, we pray that you'll put it on our hearts, the people that you want us to reach out to, the people that you want us to connect to, the people that you want us to invite. Lord, I thank you for the people who invited us. Help us to pay that forward as we uh, live out your mission in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.